Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. Well, I hope that you've been praying more as we've unpacked uh, this series uh, on the Lord's Prayer. And the whole goal is really, honestly, to get prayer that gets, to pray prayers to get results. And to do that, you got to pray. If you don't pray, well, your prayers, because you don't have any prayers, you're not going to get any results. And I've dialed it up. I don't know about you, but in my prayer life, I can't teach on something without actually applying and appropriating that. And so my prayer life has increased uh, a lot. I've prayed a lot before, but I'm praying even more and, and more poignant prayers. We've looked at the Lord's Prayer, Catholics, our Father, and used that as not what to pray, but a how to pray. And we've looked at points, these uh, points, obviously all of them begin with P, points, and uh, for prayer. <laughs> and uh, these are all in the Lord's Prayer so that you can know how to pray and you can know where you're at in prayer, not kind of just wander off into reason or worry. Uh, distractions, all the things that try to stop us from pray, praying when we get into a prayer time, uh, then all of these things try to encroach on the time and stop us from praying. We get into, like I said, worrying and reasoning things out. Uh, many of you are facing right now situations that you're worried about. Let's just face it. Somebody said worry is the interest on trouble that you never get. You pay that in advance through worrying about it. Well, most of those things don't happen, but one thing that you can do instead of worrying is to pray. And pray is, is, is uh, kind of like flipping worry on its head and, and making um, worry into, into faith to where you're actually worrying the word, if you will, if that makes sense. And, and the first point in our prayer track as we go around, whether you're praying for five minutes or an hour, uh, it doesn't matter. You can use these points. And they're all in the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6. And I think it's verse 9. It'll come up anyway. And, and the first point, can you all shout it out for me? What's the first point? It's presence. It's um, our Father in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. The next part is what? The next P is priority. Okay, you got that right. So it's the presence of God. That's who you're, you're having a conversation with is the God uh, uh, whose throne is in heaven comes in to that presence, that space called prayer. And, and, and then you get your priorities right. Your kingdom come. Your will be done, not mine. And when you surrender to the presence of God and you pray that, you start to think about what would you have me do in this situation? No matter what it is, no matter how dire it is, Start to ask God, what's the kingdom want to do with this? What do you want me to do to line up uh, the, my priorities? And then the next thing. So our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread is the third P. It's provision. That God does provide, and he provides daily bread. It's not a stored up thing like manna couldn't be stored up. It was a daily provision from God. And then the next thing that God um, wants us to pray about, this is the fourth P, and, and, and this is a big one. It's forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And it's, it's the word what? People. Are you cheating? Is it coming up there? No. Okay, you guys, you, you, take, you, you remember it. It's people. People are the best of times and they're the worst of times. They're our biggest problems usually, and they're our biggest blessings, our, our people. And learning to forgive and not hold a grudge and release people from their debt is one of the great keys when it comes to prayer. You have to come past that P, that point in prayer where you actually forgive people. That's, that's probably the hardest bit in the Lord's Prayer. But the presence of God, which, which is in that space as you're praying, and then uh, the, the, the kingdom of God, the priority of God, and the provision leads you to the place where, okay, what are you going to do now with what I'm giving you during that prayer time? The Holy Spirit fills you, gives you the power to actually forgive or to give for uh, other people. 
Now, the fifth thing that we're looking at this morning is um, when we come into the fifth part of the Lord's Prayer, this, this fifth point uh, is lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And this P, this point, is protection. So many times we get snared in a trap because of the evil that, that is abounding out in the society that we live in. And, and many, many of us get snared at a very young age. And we get caught in a trap uh, of evil. And uh, we need to be delivered from that evil and that temptation. But lead us not into temptation. In other words, lead us around and help us to see through the power of God that something is coming that's going to tempt me and it's going to trap me into evil. And if you do get trapped, will God lead me out of that? This is a very critical point in the, in the prayer track, if you will, uh, of the Lord's Prayer. It's a place where you have to get brutally honest and want to be delivered out of that. And you've got to get brutally honest and avoid it or turn the other way, run if you have to, whatever it takes from whatever it is that's tempting you. And there's many things which I'm not going to go into. But I want to introduce to you a friend of ours, and uh, his name is Kerry Harvey, married to Cherry Harvey. And uh, they have been coming to our church for about 12 years, except uh, the years of the pandemic. That's the only time that they've missed. Every year they're back. And every year I get blessed to have coffee and a meal, and just to hear more of the testimony, certainly that Carrie and Cherry have been on. They've been on a journey. It's amazing. And I really felt uh, in God to have Carrie to share uh, part of his testimony. It won't be the whole thing. And, and in particular, on this point, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, this, this, this point of protection. So I want you to give it up for Carrie as Carrie comes up here right now. Bless you, my friend. Good morning, everybody. I hope you enjoyed the worship as much as I did. And truly, just about every word on there was really my story. <laughs> And just experiencing the presence of God, um, absolutely amazing. But one of my big challenges today is to, Ed's given me a very clear time frame. I can't even see the clock. That's possibly good. Um, <laughs> but how do, you, how do you fit 78 years and 57 years of marriage into 40 minutes? So, but I'm going to give it a go. So because I shared a little bit last week as some of you were here. But just to start, I'll give you a little bit of a, a background of my uh, beginning. My, my dad was a real entrepreneur. Um, many of you will have a dishwasher in your house. My dad invented the first dishwasher in New Zealand back in, in, the, in the war years. And he spent his early years travelling around, around New Zealand getting sales and establishing a, a company to manufacture. But he was a chronic alcoholic. He was incredibly clever, but he, was, he had some big issues. And when, when I was born in 1945, I lived with my grandparents for about five years. My mum lived there because Dad was travelling. He was away the whole time. And when he, when he came he would spoil me rotten. He would arrive. He always had the latest and best car you, money could buy. He would turn up with a, a pedal car or, or a little bike or a nice piece of clothing. And my dear mum, she was out working trying to earn some money because Dad was not that great at giving her money at that stage. And our, my early years were, were pretty unhappy. My grandparents were absolutely Amazing. So that left some pretty big stains, really, on, on my early years. But at about seven or eight, Dad and Mum built a beautiful home 
just out of Auckland and was, was not far from the beach. And in one sense, we had everything. You know, we, we flashed cars, you know, by the beach, good clothes. Mum always looked amazing. She was a very beautiful, attractive lady. But she was dreadfully unhappy because my dad had been brought up in, a, in an awful environment and on the outside he was a successful businessman but inside he was, he was a mess. And there was a lot of tension and unhappiness in our house. My sister came along three years later and I lived on um, in, in fear in lots of ways. He, he would be quite aggressive at times. But an amazing lady across the road, a dear Christian lady, invited my mother when I was about 10, 11, invited her along to church, which is quite a way away. It was about a 20-minute drive to this church. And my mother was soundly born again. She came to the Lord, and it turned her life around. And I and my sister, we both gave our heart to the Lord at the same time. And I really meant it. And it started, started on a journey, really, of my life was like in two parts. On one side, I had this background of unhappiness and, and tension in the home, but on the other side was was pretty well pretty wealthy home, to, to put it bluntly. And I, it, it wasn't very long before... I was, I was very, very involved in sport. I, was, I could run like a rabbit. Um, I was very, very good at rugby at my young years and I played at the Curtain Raiser, the 56 Springboks and scored a, a fantastic try under the posts. And just about every key uh, rep team right up to age 21, I was in that team. But one side of me was the money side the other side was this church, which was I was learning, trying to be a Christian, trying to live up to a standard. The church that we, we were in was quite a legalistic church, but they, they really believed in God, and, but it, it was very much performance orientated, and I was struggling with that. At 16, I, I just couldn't keep up the standard. There were things in my life that um, really weren't that weren't that uh, good. I, I developed some some habits that were were not uh, healthy at all. Um, I had al already um, noticed the girls. Um, I used to go to youth club, and I was, uh, but you weren't you really weren't allowed to look at the girls, and I I sort of couldn't help that too, too much and I so I couldn't measure up so I decided to to leave church I went to work with my dad and straight away um, wasn't long before I was repping and, and traveling around um, the country selling and doing shows and so on and I had this God consciousness I was playing I was 16, 17, I was playing uh, at under 21 level, guys a lot older than me were you know, going to parties and, and so on. And I was just gradually dropping down. And there's one verse that really sums up um, my, my life, and that particularly in my early life, and it was John 10.10. 10. I think Gavin's going to put it up on the screen for us. But... Um, quite dark up here, I'm struggling to read this, but the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus has come that they might have life and have it in abundance. Now, I was experiencing, at that stage of my life, I thought I could manage my life. A dear Christian lady, which happened to be the pastor of, of the church that I'd been in, she, we got on quite well. And she said to me, Kerry, it's a slippery slope out there. I said, I, can man I, will, I think I can manage it. I didn't join with a lot of the guys. They were drinking heavily, you know, smoking and doing all sorts of stuff. I thought I could manage it. But just little by little, just started to go down. And just the temptations got bigger and bigger. 
and it wasn't that long before I was getting involved in stuff that was certainly not not good. I broke my mother's heart. Um, my dad became a Christian when I was 14. He gave his heart to the Lord, and for one year it turned the, our family around. It was just fantastic. He was into racehorses big time, a huge gambler, and he used to get so angry when if the, if the horses didn't come home. I can remember him coming home with a, with a pillow slip full of money. Um, but mum and I and my sister, we used to listen to the race, and if if the horse didn't come or do any good, we would make ourselves seriously scared because you just knew what he was, how his attitude was going to be. But going on a little bit, I, I met I met Cherry, and at 21 we had a little baby on the way, and that was huge. And in, back in 1966, trust me. Um, to be part of a well-known family and um, it was not cool and, and, and it was very, very embarrassing for my parents and her, Jerry's parents. And I'm cutting an awful lot out, but I can tell you that there was a lot of stuff that went down before that and my life was a mess. We'd only been married three months and we were, I was away a lot because Cherry was, was pregnant and we, we'd uh, rented a little flat and we were, we were starting, we were struggling a bit. We, there's no doubt about it, we loved each other. I, I absolutely know that for a fact. But we were just missing and, and she was quite close to my mum. Mum loved Cherry and she was really good to her. And I said to Cherry one day, I said, you know, without God in our life, in our marriage, we're going to struggle. Because she'd been to Sunday school as a little girl, but that's all. And it was a huge thing, trust me, to take at that age, to go back to our old church with a pregnant wife was massive. But anyway, we did. And Cherry was soundly born again. She accepted the Lord in her life and just turned her 180 degrees. It was just a miracle. A miracle. I, I struggled and it took me, I have to say, it took me quite a few years because a lot of that past was, was like tentacles around me to try to shake it off. But the, it was an interesting little story here. Before we'd gone back to church, a friend that I had known previously, he was 10 years older than me, but he had a, a building business, group, group housing business, and in a, a little area just not far from the church. And I had, we'd started to look, at a section, look for a section because I was earning really, really good money. And I mentioned to, Graham was his name, I said, he said, well, look, why don't you have a look at Linfield? They were leasehold sections. I didn't have, I was earning good money, but I was spending it too, just quietly. So Graham took me for a little drive around this estate and... I said, oh, is there anything with a water view? Because I, I really love the water. I want to have a view. And he said, oh, there's just one section down, down there, but I think it's sold. And he took me onto it, and sure enough, it looked down this little valley into this little bay, and it was just beautiful, just beautiful. And I said to him, Graham, if, you know, that would be wonderful. The day after I had rededicated my life to the Lord, I got to work on the Monday morning and there's a note on my desk, ring Graham. I rang, rang him and he said, Kerry, you wouldn't believe it, but you know that section we walked onto? He said, the people who have bought it, they can't go ahead with it and they want 50, 50 pound, it was then, 50 pound for the lease. 
I rang Cherry, shot in the car. She was at Curry Marama, you probably won't know where that is, but drove out there, picked her up, drove over to the to the site, walked out on the site, and it was the most it was like a day like today. It was just glassy calm. There was a couple of fishing boats just mooching down through the, the channels past the thing. And that was that was for us, no question. So we, we bought it, we bought this built this little house and um we were there for, for about 18, 19 years. And then we had a son arrive, which was two lovely kids. I was still struggling, though. In, in my heart, I was trying. In one sense, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting in church. You had, to, you had to wear a suit, really, in where we were. You had to get a collar and tie and suit. And I'm sitting there a couple of times, and all of a sudden, I think, shit. I've got a thought in my head. If I had a little TV in the back of my head and people could see what I was thinking, I thought, how can I, before God, how can I, you know, it's not right. And I, I just had so much condemnation and I'd block it out and try, try to um, live to the standard that was portrayed and was very much doing, earning your salvation. I used to say with the church we were um, born again by grace, saved by grace but lived by law. Some of you will understand what I mean by that. But anyway, um, we were, I was working really, really hard. Uh, early on, in about four or five years later, my dad got very sick. Um, he was diagnosed with prostate cancer, and we were told that he would not, he would unlikely to live. Now I'm 24, 25, and we've got this quite substantial business, selling these these products and waste disposers and washers and dryers, and we were a specialty store in Auckland, the the, the top one, trust me. And he said to me, he said, he he was always incentive driven. He'd say, I'm, I'm sick. You're going to have to manage this with an accountant in the background. But whatever profit we make, you'll get 10% of it before tax. I doubled the profit that year. And I'm telling you, it was, was... But at those days, we were getting 66 cents in a dollar tax and interest was about 22, 23%. So it was... I couldn't get the money, but it was because we were growing so much. And then the, the factory that was manufacturing the, the dishwashers for us got into financial difficulties and went into receivership. So all of a sudden, our main supply of product was coming through, but spasmodically, and the standard had dropped dramatically. My brother-in-law came into the business with us and we developed a, a cooker hood, a range hood. You know what a range hood is? Yeah. We had a range of copper ones and big ones, island ones, a whole range. And it just, it was a miracle how that happened. And within a, we just were making them in a garage and we sold a thousand in our first year and it wasn't long before we were selling them throughout the country, we were even selling them in Sydney. And that took off. And then in about 1983, Appliances were coming off license, okay? Now, I, I, would, I felt I'd love to get an overseas agency for a top range of appliances. There was a big sh uh, fair coming up in Cologne um, in, in January of this particular year, and I contacted Miele. Now, I'm sure you all know Miele Appliances to see whether I could get the agency for New Zealand made an arrangement to go and, and see them, uh, go through their factory and so on. And, uh, but they would not commit. They would not commit at all. They were interested, but here we are. We spend all this money to get to the show. I was with a, another guy who worked for me who had experience in importing. And this show in Cologne was massive. It took like three days to walk around it. There were hundreds and hundreds of different types of appliances and, and brands. And it was just like, 
what do we get? What do we do? Because I could thinking of Mila in the background, but I thought, I'm not coming home without something. So third, third night, we're really, really tired. We went into, into town to get a meal, and everything was chock-a-block. Um, we go from one to the other, sorry, we're full, we're full, we're full. Went into one, and the guy, same story, and this guy, the maitre d', said, oh, sorry, yeah. I said, oh, come on, mate. I said, we're a couple of tired Kiwis. Surely there's somebody that's got a, a, a table with two spare seats on it that, that would share with us. And he, and I'm praying, by the way, I've got to, mustn't forget that, I'm really praying about this. He went away, and he came back, and he's like the front row, and he's, so we, we walk through to, the, to this in the restaurant and there's two guys sitting there with, with suits on because it's, you know, sat down and introduced ourselves and um, they said to, said to Alex and I, what are, what are you guys doing here? You know, what, you're at the show, obviously, because everybody's at the show. What are, you, what are you looking for? And so we told him. And, this, and one guy said, well, I'm the UK agency for Smeg Appliances. And the other guy said, well, I'm the agent for Australia, for Smeg Appliances. Smeg's fabulous. This, you, should, you should look at Smeg. And we talked a bit and, and had an arrangement to meet on the Smeg stand the next morning. We walked off a stand for the Smeg Agency for New Zealand, which was amazing. Because I was, my school, if you like, was promoting so I came back and we started to promote it heavily. We spent a lot of money on, on bringing in stock and, and getting it established and it just took off. Just went absolutely ballistic. I, it wasn't very clever of me at that stage because I was still, still you know, relatively young and I did not factor in that expansion costs a lot of money. And we were building debt, right? And the bank were happy to, to lend us money, but the interest rates were, were really, really, really high. And they gave us conditions to have all the money we wanted, but it meant us putting everything we had on the line. Now, we had we had already had a nice home, lovely home. Um, we were... Um, we had a beach house called a batch in New Zealand. We, you know, we both had a car, nice cars, we always had the best cars. And it got harder and harder. And I was on the verge, of, I think, of really have, nearly having a breakdown because I hated the fact that we always paid everybody on time. And it was, I didn't like it. And I was struggling. And... We, where was I on that one? I, that's right. One of the, a guy that we were buying other appliances from and we were not paying him on time, we were drip feeding him money. He said to me, Kerry said, I had lunch with such and such. Uh, I played golf with such and such over the weekend and this guy was the CEO of quite a, a large company. And uh, he said, oh, they're talking about me and, and what we were doing with, with Smeg. And he said, oh, yeah, that Kerry Harvey, he's a good guy, but, you know, he's, he's supposed to be a Christian. I, I just wish he'd pay his bills. Well, it was like putting a knife in me and twisting it. And from that moment on, I was looking at it and I started to pray, Lord, is this where you really want me? I wasn't prepared to borrow the money that we needed to to really to grow the product and carry on. And with the interest rates the way they were, we were heading down a pretty rocky road. It was about six months down the track and this guy rang me, another, another guy, uh, a businessman who I knew well. He said, Kerry, um, I need some appliances for my new house. Could you, would you give us a deal on you know, a house full of Smeg appliances. I said, absolutely, yeah. Mark, I'll get back to you. 
And we were just chatting and, you know, and he said to me, out of the blue, he said, um, you know, Kerry, you have one of the best little businesses in Auckland there. And I said, oh, come on, Mark, you know. He said, you'd never sell, you know, I said, I said to him, why don't you, if you that, like it that much, why don't you buy it? Now, I don't know where that came from. That was a, almost a stupid thing to say. If you think it's that good, why don't you buy it? He said, you'd never sell that. I said, Mark, try me. Well, two weeks later, we were in serious negotiation to the possibility of him buying the whole business, all the different the factory that made the hoods and, and so on. Now, the amazing thing about this was that it took a little, a couple, two or three months to, to get through to, to a price. But we settled in September 1985, and some of you will know, you older ones will know, that that was the date of the share market crash in 87. We would have lost everything. And God, God undertook and saved us. Not long after that, another story. We, we, we developed this house that we'd built. We'd put on a big A-frame on the end of it with two extra bedrooms. We'd put swimming pool, spa pool, uh, a little uh, area, um, rumpus room on the side for the kids. And it was a nice little house, but it was in just an average area. And I was still... Um, wanting to, to, to be better, to be honest. I, I, I was still pushing for, for, to do better. And we got this, um, we looked across where, where our house was, across this little bit of water, this little beach area, to this little ridge. And a friend of ours who was an elder in our church and his son -in -law, daughter and son-in-law had bought this, this ridge, it was called Cape Horn. And it was six acres, but it was, you only allowed three houses on it. So Norm was going to have one, his son-in-law and daughter was going to have the other one, and their other daughter, they were missionaries, they were looking at the third one, but they couldn't afford it. He rang me and said, would we be interested? And I said, would we ever? Now, Gavin, if you'd like to put that photo up, um, this 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 was the view from the from the section that he was offering us. We were absolutely blown away. It was absolutely stunningly beautiful. We took our friends, our family. We'd go up there and we'd sit and dream of the the house that we were going to put on it. And we were going to get an architecturally designed house and it was going to be a pretty nice house. Now, this is, this, is, this is quite amazing, this. We hadn't been... Um, the son-in-law was building uh, another, uh, the second house on it. It was like two-thirds built. It was, it was a... It was a nice little house, but it wasn't big and it certainly wasn't, wasn't flash. The norm, the, the, the um, uh, our elder friend, he rang and said, um, so he, 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 we bought the section. And I was, I'll be having a little quiet time before God. And I would get this, no, that's, not for you. And I just shake it off. Go away. I don't want to hear that. And we, we carry on planning and getting our, our other house ready for sale. And then I'd be having another little quiet time. Um, and hearing, I, I've never ever heard God's voice. But I've certainly, part of my journey is learning to learning to listen. I meant to say that at the beginning because I often, early on, I didn't listen. And I'm starting to hear 
But this was like a pendulum. It was just going, yes, no, yes, no, yes. I didn't want want to say to give this up. It was stupid. It was absolutely stupid. It didn't make one ounce of sense. Not one ounce. Cheer. We're going to get Cherry just to share something just a little bit. So We had a, a church camp and I was at this camp and after, at the end of the day I walked up the, walked up the road and it was like, no, big no. And I thought, I hadn't said anything to Cherry. Right? She didn't know any of this yes, no. So we went back and I explained to Cherry what was going on. So I'll just tell you how, what her reaction was. Well, often when he tells the story, he says, and Cherry supported me. And it, it was a no. Well, so with two sides to every story, I didn't support him straight away. In fact, my dream was broken as well. Can everybody hear me? So I thought, what am I going to do with this? God hadn't told me. Had he told Kerry? It was a doubt. And so I battled with this for a few days. And of course, with, with him wanting to tell Norm that we were bowing out of this, I was under pressure. Was I going to hear from God? And if, if I hadn't, what was this going to do? Was it going to build up resentment? So I had a battle going on myself. So within a few days, I said to God, you're going to have to make me willing, but above all, I've got to have peace, perfect, that peace that passes all understanding about this. And he came through. I did. So we were one with that decision, and you're going to run out of time. I know. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so I rang Norm to tell him that we... And he understood, but he wasn't very happy. Three days went past, and we cried, and we cried, and it was... It made no sense, but it was a definite no. On the third day, I had a phone call from a son-in-law, and he said... Here you're selling the section. Could we have first option? I said, why? He said, well, we're built, building this house. It's overrun price-wise. Uh, we felt if we sell that and build again, we can we can come out financially better. And I said, yep, that's fine. I hung up on the phone and it was like this penny dropped. You know how in a machine when you push a button and it goes clunk down? And I just heard, that's your house the one that they were building, you know, half the size of what we were going to have. But, and and we did the deal and and we crossed over. But the significant thing on on this whole story is that six years down the track, the zoning changed for those three sites and each of the three houses could subdivide two sections off. Now, if you've looked at those photos, you'll see the view and... The, the section, the house we nearly now had, had the two best sites of the whole place, and we sold those sections for a significant amount of money. The sites that we would have had with the original section, they were on the side of a hill. It cost them a fortune to put a road in, and God saw way ahead, and we were just blessed. And and through that. We've been able to, over the years, uh, support, you know, different missionaries and and so on, our our family, and it was just amazing, amazing story. But because my time is running out, sadly, I'm going to have to skip quite a bit here, but one of the, just give me a sec, um, Yeah, okay, look. Yep, thanks. Yeah, I was trying to see. I can hardly see. That's the trouble here. Well, I I shared with you last week about how I was learning to hear God's voice 
and the, the story of the old lady. But one of the one time I'm sitting in my little looking out at these these beautiful views in the morning, and I see I heard this question. How do you carry how do you see God? I thought, well that's an interesting one. And I thought, okay, I see I'm looking up and I see God with this big beard, typical, you know, like we've seen in, in photos and that. But the key thing was he had this great big stick. And it was like, and that's how I saw it just to whack me every time I did some little thing wrong. And, but he was also sitting in front of this giant computer. This is the vision, that, like a vision that I could see. It was huge, and he was sitting in front, had a keyboard in front of him and a printer beside it. And my impression was that if he put, typed in Kerry Harvey on his computer, out would come these pages and pages and pages of, of crap, excuse the term, of, of stuff that had gone on you know, in, in my life that I was not proud of. And I often used to think when I got to heaven, I knew I was going to heaven, but I thought, this is what they're going to see when I get there, you know, push the button. And I just saw God just shaking his head like this. And he said, Kerry, he said, at 10 years old, you gave your heart to my son Jesus. And I know you meant it. And he said, from that day forward, if I put Kerry Harvey in my computer, I just get one page. And that one page is a photo of you from here down covered in this pure white spotless robe of righteousness of my son Jesus and what he did for you and for for a Christian. And it just blew me away. And from that day on, I have had a, a peace that I had not experienced in, in all my years. It, it was, uh, it changed me totally. And I've had a freedom and a peace every day. I know, and I thank the Lord every day for his amazing grace. And he also said from, from that day on the sanctification process started and all those years through the good and the bad you can see what, how he has guided our life some really, really tough times it, it, things that, that we went through that I haven't even touched on today but you can, looking back, get, you know, getting to 78 years old, you've got an advantage that you can look back and you didn't see it when you're young, but looking back, you can see that I, we, we would, I was doing my best you know, to do the right thing and how God was faithful and that there's no condemnation to those in Christ. So thank you for listening and, and sharing. I, I've got heaps more, but... Ed said, you'll never get it done, and he's right. <laughs> so, bless you guys. You going to say something? Oh, I've said it. Look at the clock. Okay. <laughs> I, I, okay, okay. Just one of the things that's really, really impacted me at this stage of my life and I have walked with many, many... Um, I ran a program back in Auckland at the church for 12 years called Valiant Man, and it's about men's sexuality and so on. So I've walked with hundreds and hundreds of guys. Cherry and I have, have walked with uh, lots of marriage, married couples. And you know that the enemy, it's one of his main tricks, is condemnation. So many guys cannot get, or, or couples or, or ladies too, cannot get victory in their life because the enemy just keeps, he, he's, a, he's a dead eye with a, with a shooting at the, the area 
where you've, um, with condemnation of stuff in your past. But you know what? Everybody, if you accept Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, you're covered in that robe of righteousness. And it's spotless. You know? And, and he's done it for us. And it's absolutely wonderful. But we have to have faith to walk in it. Thank you. Thanks, Kerry. Let's give it up. How awesome was that, hey? We've all got a testimony. We've all got a story. And if you stay on his story, which is the word history, it's his story. It's, it's Jesus' story becomes your story. And that's the beauty of, of a testimony. It becomes a history. And it becomes a, a really glorifies God and the power of God in somebody's life to take someone with a bad start like most of us and guide them through all of that and go on and honestly they can help so many people now and um, Carrie and Cherry's son uh, he went on became a successful businessman and now has an organization he's left uh, his entrepreneurial endeavors and is just helping people now and has a full-time ministry mainly to help uh, young men that struggle with por pornography and other things to get out of that trap and um, so I, I really do appreciate that just thank you for giving your testimony it's just amazing look we all have a different testimony we all have things that we're dealing with and we come to that point of the Lord's Prayer lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil deliverance from evil is something that God specializes in so no matter what your start was, no matter where you're at now, if you're caught in a trap, God specializes in getting you out of that trap. And God's not there condemning you. As Kerry said, he's not, he's, not, uh, he's not with a big hammer beating you up while you're caught in a trap. He's, he's offering a way out of that. And for every temptation and everything that we're caught in, it says that God has made a way of escape. And that's really important for us to grab a hold of that and realize that, that the way of escape is the same no matter what the trap is. And his name is Jesus. He said, I'm the way. And as we focus on him, he's, he's there saying, well, come and follow me. And uh, I'll not only get you out of this mess, but I will restore everything that's been taken away from you that the thief has, has stolen from you. And so if you're here and... You're thinking, man, like, I've been caught in a trap or I've been caught in a lot of traps. Uh, I didn't go around the evil. I went straight into it. And now I'm stuck. Uh, the good news is it's not too late. It's not too late for you to, to do what most of us have done, and that's to look to Jesus and find a way out and realize that God didn't send a condemner into the world. He sent a Savior. That God didn't send rules and regulations like was preached to, to carry where there was just things that, that a young man couldn't possibly adhere to, not without the power of God. God didn't send legalism and argument. God sent his son. God sent freedom into our world. So if you look to him, whoever, it says, so call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. So if you want to do that this, this morning, uh, I just want to take just a, a moment and like us to bow our heads. And maybe some of um, Carrie's testimony resonated with you. Um, you maybe kick yourself sometimes, like most of us, that you made a dumb decision. But God wants to get you out of that. And he wants to be there, standing there with you to lead you not into the next temptation uh, or evil but get you out of this one and guide you through the, the, the landmines that are all around us uh, of, of things that could trap us. So with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, let's just take a moment of reflection. And if I was to ask you the question, and, and you can be honest with just with yourself, uh, what is it that you know you've gotten yourself into? It could be ways of thinking, mindsets that need to change. It could be any number of um, 
evils that are out in society. We don't list them all, but any of these things at all that you've, you've caught in, can you get honest enough to go, well, you know, I, I didn't see that trap or I saw it and I still walked into it, whatever that is, just be honest enough to, to say, look, God, I'm going to change my direction and I'm not going to walk that way anymore. I'm going to change my mind about the way I think about you, God, in particular, and see you as the saving grace in my life. And together we're going to walk out of this. If that's you right now, I want you just to pray this prayer with me. And I'm sure all of us could pray this together. And, and let's walk out of these things and walk free and let the Holy Spirit, the power of God, guide us out of these situations. So if you want to say this along with me, say, Dear God, I'm sorry for the things that I've gotten into. I know that you're not condemning me right now. That you have clothed me in your righteousness. Jesus, I ask you to save me and deliver me out of these evils. I make you the Savior, the Lord of my life. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening Amen. to the City Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, then please take a moment to contact us through our website at city-church.net or email us your feedback at info at city-church.net.